Hello, Herd, and welcome to another episode of our Rebels Rewatch. I'm your Herd leader, John Wayne. And I'm Deep Space Nine. There you go. Um, and <laughs> we're finally back with Rebels, um, thank goodness. And we were originally going to release what we're talking about now back during what would have been uh, Rebels Remembered Day, where Rebels ended, because um, it would have been kind of a just, hey, here's the anniversary of the end of this show. Let's talk about that show. Um, so we don't really have a special reason to talk about Rebels now, other than just the... It's Rebels. Yeah, exactly. It's a delightful show. I'm enjoying myself very much. Clearly. Um, and so last time we were able to talk about Rebels, we finished season one. Um, do you have any initial thoughts on season one before we get into the season two premiere? Season one for a lot of shows is a very rough time because I think, I can't remember who said it, but there was a, a producer that was on a podcast that I listened to and he was talking about what it's like to make shows and how for a lot of the time, um, the first season of a show is it's basically the same episode over and over and over again, just to make sure that you get the formula mm -hmm. and make your case for it. But in reality, I didn't see that very much with this show. Mm -hmm. I think it was really well done for a first season. I mean, sure, animation gets better as seasons go on, but I I think I enjoyed the first season more than I did the first season of the first season of the Clone Wars, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the first season was shorter mm -hmm. to um, probably not overextending itself could have helped uh, and whatnot. But I mean, it moves pretty reasonably. Yeah. And I think that's in terms of pacing. That's what makes it a good show is that it moves the story forward without, you know, sacrificing character development. Yeah, well, and then, I mean, that's the thing, too, is it took time to develop each of the characters. And, like, season one, basically, you know, you, you put a couple of the crew, or the whole crew, but you kind of alternate who you put on certain missions for certain adventures, and that's how you learn something. And that's where you pick up on, oh, they're this type of character, they're that type of character, here's this backstory, here's that backstory. Um, you know, and a lot of the things that they set up in season one, they don't answer a lot of questions, they don't answer all the questions, but they do enough to make it so you know the characters. Mm -hmm. And then it makes good on those developments later on. Some of it we see in this season, some of it until we won't see until the very end, but there's things where it sets up who they are yeah. uh, and whatnot very, very well. Yeah. And without settling into like an archetype, like Kanan's a Jedi, but he's not the typical Jedi. Well, Kara's the pilot, but she's not just the typical pilot. Yeah. Well, I think for the most part, most of them are counters to what would normally be there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Kanan being one where it's like, he's a Jedi, but he doesn't really want to be a Jedi. He's not exactly confident. He's not exactly, um, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes he can be very chill and peaceful, but not all the time. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes he is very just reactionary and goes feet first with it. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I mean, there, there's 
a lot that it's like it's either something kind of familiar but new or completely counter to what's familiar. Definitely. Um, and so, and I mean, and that that really helps build the characters and builds then the world. Um, and I mean, even some of the things they've set up before carry over into the season two premiere. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the things that come through on this are, uh, especially on repeat viewings, uh, very powerful for development. Mm-hmm. Anything else to add on season one? No, not really. Okay. So then season two. Um, so season one left off pretty much establishing that the rebels were going to be a part of something bigger. Now they met Mm -hmm. Fulcrum who turned out to be Ahsoka. Um, Which I knew, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point you're late to the game. It's kind of hard to keep some of that stuff. So much has been spoiled for me at this point. Um, And so pretty much they connect with the bigger good guys. um, And, the consequence of that is that they connect with the bigger bad guys in this one. I mean, Tarkin kind of popped in once. Um, the Inquisitor was the big one, mm-hmm. the like first level boss. And now it ended teasing, okay, it's going to get worse because now he's coming and yeah. being Vader. And this episode makes good on that pretty, pretty immediately, pretty quickly. Like, um, there's, it opens up with a pretty decent dogfight. Yeah, I mean it's it's showing that they're well, it's showing that some of the ghost is ghost crew is getting comfortable with being a part of this. Like, um this is not right after everything in season one. This is mm-hmm. after some time, I think, because Hera's getting very comfortable. Well, really I would say Hera and Zeb, which both of them make sense because they've been a part of organized military like responses before yeah Hera's family literally led the um twilight resistance zeb's people fought against the empire and have this established honorary system the honor guard and all this it it shows that they're attentive to combat and whatnot Mm -hmm. but then you've got characters like sabine who has been affected by the consequences of the empire and is scared of them um, you've got Kanan who has seen the Jedi devolve by being involved in the Republic and politics and doesn't want to get involved. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Ezra that's kind of both where he's kind of, he yeah. wants to do his own thing, but he also likes the coolness of the big, the big picture, like, Oh, all these ships, all this stuff, all that, you know, yeah. so much. He, he likes the adventure, but at the same time, he doesn't like it to threaten his pseudo family mm-hmm. um so that's what i say like some are comfortable with it some are not um and that's what the beginning kind of tries to set up uh at first but darth vader's in charge now and is starting to um get stuff done in terms of tracking them down and all this other stuff mm-hmm. and we we see how um like the the episode arc well Pretty much all of the episodes in this arc are called the Siege of Lothal. Yeah, it's a part one, part two. It's yeah. the same as the premiere one where it's, depending on your source, either two episodes or one one long episode. Yeah. Um, 
we have the unique a unique moment between Callus and uh, I can never remember her name. She's the governor of Lothal. Uh, it's Governor Price, isn't it? I don't remember. No, Min- Governor Price. Where's that from? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Minister Tua. Tua. That's her name. Um, where we actually see Lothal is affected <sighs> negatively by all this, and she actually cares about that, and that's weird. Like you, well, you so rarely see imp- imperial people actually give a crap about the places that they're affecting. Well, she's she's a local uh, minister. She she's from Lothal. She's not imperial, mm-hmm. so it she invited the empire in for her own political gain, and now she's getting that. But I mean, this this is just showing that cost of. All right, that you, you want to move up the ladder and you want to advance in this world, you've got to um, be close with the empire, and this is yeah, what that means. It takes sacrifice. Sometimes the sacrifice is your planet, right? So. And so, you know, I mean, she's not all for it um, anyway as a character. Mm-hmm. When I mean, she's kind of been set up to be this. She's not smart. She's not compassionate. She's what most millennials probably think of most mayors or government officials. Like she's that stereotypical doesn't care about the people just position kind of things. Um, again, until this stuff starts to happen where it starts to cross the line. And, and, you know, and that's when everybody gets a choice when it gets to that point, mm-hmm. either you own up and admit you're wrong and try and make it right. Or you just keep benefiting from the issue Um, she surprisingly, or I guess not, um, decides to reach out for help from the rebels. Yeah. Um, and this is another one where it starts some stuff between Kanan and Hera. This is get, gets it into the mom and dad stuff. Um, and this was specifically where I started to feel like Caden Kanan's Jedi history was coming up in in terms of why he's frustrated with the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, and spoiler alert, that never really goes away. Um, as long as I, as, as far as I remember it, he never ever seems comfortable. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, if the Jedi had been around during the time of the rebellion, which in reality, there would be no need for them. But if that had happened, I imagine it would be a lot like this. They would treat them as not really the the heroes of hope that we understand them to be. They would think of them as a guerrilla, I guess, not terrorist group, but I forget what it's called. Uh, well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, that, that I, you know, terrorist has a very different connotation now, but essentially that it, it's that sort of subgroup of mm-hmm. almost vigilante style. Yeah. We would, don't believe in the government. We don't believe in the system. Yeah. We're going to do something. It would be a rebellion in a negative light instead of. Well, that's you know. why. And they do this in this episode. Um, you know, they, the empire uses uh, political twists to media coverage for their agenda. Mm-hmm. It's easy because it's true. They are a terrorist group. They, I mean, they might have a good reason, but they're still terrorists. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's just like, I mean, so, for instance, recently, somewhere in California, they wanted to cut down on the amount of people still visiting a skate park. So they put sand in the skate skate thing, mm-hmm. the um, empty pool, 
whatever. I mean, I know it's not a pool, but that's what it looks like. That's where it came from. They filled sand in there so that way people can't skate and bike and whatnot and everything. Um, John, skate or die. Pre- pretty much. And so people basically went in and undid it so that they can continue to be stupid and not socially distanced. I get it looks like the man is taking away your hobby, but in reality, it's for your own good. I'm not saying the Empire is doing anything for anyone's good, but I am saying that just like those skaters are still technically doing something illegal and they are going against city ordinance, the rebels are standing up against what is their actual government. The Empire Mm -hmm. is the government. And what a lot of people fail to remember is it was voted for. Now, yes, there was a big media smear campaign. There was a lot going on, but they still voted for it. When you act out of craziness, because I can't think of another word for it. I mean, it's what happens every time somebody's like, I didn't like the last guy, so I'm voting for this. I'm voting the complete opposite for this president. And then they want to get mad at that president because they're not what they want. And it's just like, well, yeah, but you acted out of anger towards the other guy rather than out of smarts for what you and the country need and what's best. Not that I think any candidates in the past few years have been any good for the public, but even still, when we act out of anger and out of, you know, this really deep knee-jerk reaction, we tend to sign up for stuff we don't always know the repercussions of, like signing up for a raisin dictator that's going to overthrow the galaxy the empire is the government (laughs) so in many ways you know all that to your point of like i I feel like kanan's a weird character because he has morals and yet hates having morals yeah um he was under a very from what i understand strict jedi master well yeah well i don't think so much that has to i mean i do think that has to do with it but for the good reason Mm -hmm. The way I see it is it's this idea of he likes, or I wouldn't say likes, he subscribes to what he believes is real and true and good about the force. He doesn't necessarily subscribe to all of the politics and logistics and all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but does he dis- subscribe to the Nerd Herder channel? On no, but he should, and so should you. Uh, <laughs> like Common and Jedi. Yeah. So it's this... I mean, you know, I, I, I get that with the institution of Christianity, um, even, you know, to get very personal and open. Even I have things where I'm like, I, I prefer this very personal, intimate type of faith versus a very institutionalized and governed kind of faith. Mm-hmm. And there now at the same time, I see where there's good in having guidelines and having doctrine that helps define truth and all this other stuff. But I also see, you know, the dangers of just being loosey goosey. Like I get Kanan's perspective of, look, I'm fine with going. I mean, he even kind of says that to Hera, like of like, you know, it was you and me against the Empire kind of thing. And obviously, the rest of the Ghost crew is involved in this, but it, he wants to go back to that, look, I'm fine with it, sticking it to the man, but I wanted it this way, not yeah. as a soldier. And he's speaking, I think, from this perspective of, well, he was a child soldier. Yeah. He, he His whole, like, think about this. His whole life trajectory was thrown off all because he could float freaking rocks. Exactly. 
And I think that's why he's so anxious in training Ezra. Little things can go wrong and all of a sudden that kid's life is screwed up. Honestly, I don't think we think about it very often that what we should, that as uh, not Ezra, Kanan and Ahsoka, child soldiers, mm-hmm. children who were generals. Mm-hmm. Like Ahsoka was, uh, she was like well, 13. And what's, She's at the beginning of the Clone Wars. I think she's even a little bit older than Kanan. And that's something interesting um, that I haven't gone down the rabbit trail of mm-hmm. is how they ended up so different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with Ahsoka kind of being more on her own than Kanan. I, I guess so. And and I think I think to go back to your point about Depa, I I think that um, if, if, if his master had anything of an impact on the kind of person he is, I think it's because she's so Jedi mm-hmm. that he's so Jedi that the shift that happened after order 66, uh, was more traumatizing yeah. versus, I mean, training with Anakin, you're not a typical Jedi to begin with. Yeah. And so if, yeah. I mean, because clearly Ahsoka kind of thrives outside of the Jedi Order. We already see that in the Clone Wars happening right now. So I feel like she had more tools and preparedness for living outside of the Order. Yeah. And like, it's very likely that Depa saw what Anakin was doing and was just like, Hey, well, she Deppa's master was Mace Windu, so she probably hated yeah, Skywalker. she definitely was like, oh, yeah, no, you're never, you're, no. I've, I feel like the Skywalker to some Deppa's sometimes uh, yeah. in my life, so I get it. Uh, but the funny thing is, is there's a lot of, if Anakin had grown outside of the Order a little bit more, I can see him and Kanan being good buddies. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, obviously... Um, Anakin's a good, probably 15 years older, but even still, I could see them getting along the same way. Like, um, I actually don't have an example. I don't know why I introduced it, I don't know either. <laughs> but you know, I can see them be- being cool in terms of like, yeah, my master's uptight too. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that was a, a good rabbit trail. Um, thank you. So all that to set up, though, Kanan is the most unacclimated with everything that's happening. And Governor Tua, or Minister Tua, I keep—I don't know if that's a promotion Ge- or demotion. General Tua. General yeah, Tua. She, she's got her um, PhD in divinity. Captain Tua. Um, her reaching out for help from them only furthers, like, Kanan's like, look, I don't believe in this. I don't agree with it. I don't. Yeah. I don't like, because I also see him acting out of concern. Like he lost everything because of an institution. He doesn't want to do that again. Yeah. His ghost family, he doesn't want to lose because of a silly quote unquote rebellion. Um, even if it's the right thing to do. Um, where again, you've got Hera who's much more, no, I believe in the big picture. I believe in working with others. I believe in all mm-hmm. of this. Either way, they decide to go actually help her because it could be more beneficial to the rebellion not necessarily to our heroes, but yeah. Um, and again, so this is where they, it's a whole big trap. They, they knew she was going to, they knew that Tua was not going to go along with their plans much longer. They being the empire, mm-hmm. they knew that either, well, I guess it was a test. Either she'll go with it or she won't. Exactly. Um, also Tua's is dead by the way. <laughs> yeah. So basically the rescue plan turns out to be a trap. 
um, and the Empire lures the rebels back. Um, and not only do they lure them there, but they actually blame to his death on them. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, and they really explore this in the Dr. Afro comics where like, there's this whole division of um, like Imperial surveillance. Like there's this whole world of Imperial surveillance that literally just works to make the story most beneficial for the empire. Mm -hmm. And this is where you see it. And it's really interesting that this was tactics by Vader. Um, Cause here it was how politics can uh, affect. Well, I love, I love that it shows his strategy. Uh, mm -hmm. This shows he's more than just scary lightsaber swinging slasher villain. He is methodical. Exactly. Um, I mean, look at who his master is. True. And I mean, and much like Maul, like, he's paying attention. He's learning. And if you read the Darth Vader comics, you see that he's learning well because in the Darth Vader comics too, he uses the things in the cogs of the system to his own advantage. Exactly. Vader is selfish. He's still looking out for himself. Um, so they are trapped on Lothal. And so now they have to try and escape. They find a way to escape um, by stealing a shuttle. And that we get a really cool, transition from hey let's escape to oh crap Darth Vader mm -hmm. because it's really just this scene where Kanan stops for one moment and then it cuts to Vader's there and that's just a I really love that sort of stuff I love that Vader is so bathed in the dark side that literally his presence stops people like that yeah it's it's amazing to see stuff like that um, and so, and we get a really good, I, so I, I think we've mentioned in the last one, the design of Vader for this is very Ralph McQuarrie, much like the rest of the show. So that already makes him look scarier and more villainous. Yeah. The red eyes and just his silhouette is so intimidating. Oh yeah. And they really punctuate. He's tall. He's strong. Um, you know, he's really not bothered yeah. at all by Kanan and Ezra. Yeah, he dwarfs Kanan. Um, and I love that they drop... They, so they, the coolest part and probably the memorable part of this, um, and I don't think I even used it for the thumbnail for this. I should have, but they drop a walker on him. Yes, they do. And it's a very Terminator-esque kind of rise from the fire scene where he just lifts it off of him. And it's, yes. uh, it's just so good. Like it's this so is cool. rogue one levels of evil Vader before rogue one was a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe, um, either way it's that it's on, it's on par. And I love stuff that makes Vader feel scary and intimidating and bad. Oh yeah. Cause in the original trilogy, he's so, obsessed with his endeavor of reaching his son um he doesn't get a lot of scary moments he doesn't get a lot like there's a lot of yeah. insinuated fear whereas you get stuff like this where it's just like no he's actually scary and it, it helps when you know who he is to have stuff that adds to his scariness because as soon as you learn who anakin skywalker is and as soon as you care about anakin skywalker all of a sudden vader is just a means to getting back to anakin skywalker mm-hmm it's like the tunnel where it's like it's light outside. Now it's dark, but we know we're going towards the light rather than, oh, crap. Is there ever a light? Mm -hmm. Was there ever a light? Because that's the thing George Lucas talks about um, with 
original trilogy Vader stuff is this idea of could anyone like what is he born that way? Where did where did this kind of evil masked villain come from? Where mm-hmm. where could you possibly create that? You know, and so since we're very far away from when he became Vader and very far away from when he becomes Anakin again, he needs to be scary and evil. Exactly. And like, I know that there's people that have an issue separating the two of Anakin versus Vader, or like they think of them as one person, but just in a different mood, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But I think Star Wars has done a great job of separating Anakin Skywalker versus Darth Vader, even though there are moments where they blend the two. Like when uh, Anakin kills the Mandalore dude. I don't remember his name. Oh, yeah. And you get that little sting. The guy, oh, he was played by the, uh, whose line is it anyway guy? Greg Proops, yes. Yep. Yeah. You get moments like that, but... In complete essence, there is the character of Darth Vader, and there is the character of Anakin Skywalker. Well, I mean, it's the difference of yin and yang versus complete one or the other. So, like, the idea of yin and yang with Taoism is that that there's a little bit of dark in every light, and there's a little bit of light in every dark, Mm -hmm. but it's a balance. Anakin, when he was younger, and I think uninfluenced, was all light. Yeah. I'll go, I'll argue that to the day I die, but little Annie on Tatooine was yes. all light, in my opinion. And he didn't experience that darkness until right. much later, until darkness became a concept to him. Well, and then you've got Vader, who is all darkness. There's no light in him. So it it's this idea of there is a stark contrast between one versus the other. Um, you You can't say... I mean, it's not to say that anytime someone does a bad thing, oh, well, that's not them. That's that's just, you know, another uh-huh. side. Like, no, like... I'm talking about a fictional character. Yeah. Right. Um, no, I mean, there is legit stuff psychologically. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there is certain things that can happen that cause a person to completely... 180 um and you know that's grounded in reality here it's much more spiritual but it's the reality that who vader is and who anakin was are very very different Mm -hmm. and like i said i mean you 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 take the darkness and take any light that could possibly exist out of it and you get darth vader yeah hence why in um return of the jedi it's hayden christensen Mm-hmm. Because that's the last time that he was Anakin Skywalker. Very true. I mean, I don't, I never, and this is probably a thing for another thing. I never really had a problem with that. No, me either. I, it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. We're getting off on a tangent, but I'm okay with it. So again, Vader being full Vader mode in this, all they can do is escape. Yeah. Um, this was something I appreciated. This was something I appreciated in Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I love stuff where it emphasizes, it doesn't try to make their heroes more than they're supposed to be. Yeah. Like, they're not superhuman. Right. Like, that was the thing. So, like, you know, that's the, that's what separates 
legit story versus sort of emotionally uh, skewed story. It's this like me creating a fictional, you know, fanfic character, Jedi, and all this other stuff. And it's just like they can exist in their little corner, but then they meet Darth Vader and, you know, he just so happens to be cool enough to be able to, you know, challenge Darth Vader and, and all this that's silly. Mm-hmm. That lacks an understanding of the character. That lacks an understanding of the full scope of the story. Exactly. If you can just waltz up to Darth Vader and fight him, why? What? What are the stakes? There's none. That's why here, these two guys. I mean, Kanan's scared. Yeah. Like that. I again, it adds levels that would have been very silly if it played out any other way Mm -hmm. if Kanan had just been like oh this you know we can work together like no there's no positivity there's no hopefulness there's just run away or die yeah and I I appreciate that with characters like I'm gonna mention Adventure Time it doesn't matter how you feel about Adventure Time but uh there's a whole arc where Finn loses an arm I remember that it's a really good arc but like you see him going through the trauma of I lost an arm. Mm -hmm. I can't do stuff. And then he gets a fake arm and it takes over his body and creates a different, uh, a copy of him. Is that the fern? That's fern. Okay. I didn't realize (laughs) where he came from, but that's something that was very important to the story from Pendleton Ward. That was, um, it was hinted at throughout the entire series. Like every time Finn has a dream or you look into the future, Finn doesn't have that arm. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was a cool thing. Like a dope robot, robot arm or pillow arm in one sense. Hmm. But like it's let your characters suffer. Mm. That's very important to storytelling is like they don't stub their toe one day and just forget about, or they don't break a leg or something and then just forget about it. Mm -hmm. Tell the story of how they're frustrated because they can't go upstairs or, Mm -hmm. you know, oh my gosh, my leg hurts really bad right now. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I love that in storytelling. It makes sense. Yeah. Show your characters human by putting them in pain. Well, you know, it, it doesn't, it means that you don't have to have victory for them to be heroes. Mm -hmm. You don't, they don't have to be fan favorites because they can beat Darth Vader or stand up to him even because they can't, you know, it's fine that they can't do anything. It makes more sense that way. Yeah. It's okay that there's a character that never gets their arm back or something like that. Very true. And I mean, speaking of, I mean, that does happen later on in the series. There's, there's plenty of consequences like that where it's just like, well, that's part of being a part of something bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, in the, in this instance to really lean into, because that's always a question. Anytime a new Jedi in this period of time comes up, it's like, okay, ha- well, how does that work? Yeah. Um, and every time they've managed so far, if they don't get overzealous with themselves, they've mm-hmm. so far done very well with it in terms of, well, they didn't die because they ran away. Exactly. <laughs> um, pretty much. Um and that's actually a pretty valid reason. That's that's acceptable to me. Yeah, honestly. Because uh, that's basically what they do. And um, essentially they get help from Lando in order to be able to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, the really 
And this, I mean, you know, this is filled with meat and potatoes, but the, the big part of the episode, and obviously the point to end it on, is as they are escaping, uh, again, to show off Vader's just overall He's got an evil aura. and awesomeness. <laughs> yeah. um, He's got some stank on him. Yeah, he hops in a TIE fighter and takes out several ships and all this other, like basically, again, so even when they're almost out, he still has them where he wants them. And he's just mopping up. I mean, he is not slowed down in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, again, another thing where it's like, yes, sh- all right, this is the piloting skills of Anakin that mixed with the evil of mm-hmm. I-, I shoot everybody down. Um, and in this, so Ahsoka is part of the rescue group that comes for the ghost crew. Um, and she reaches out and it's really, it's a really good way to handle mm-hmm. how how could they not exactly like it's this mix of well hang on something's kind of familiar but i'm also really curious because who in the heck could that possibly be it's familiar but not too familiar but right. not too not familiar exactly <laughs> it's a new craze so you know i mean she reaches out and quickly realizes who it is yeah um i Which, love dude the Clone Wars is screwing me up right now with that line, with that moment between Maul and Ahsoka, because mm-hmm. she knew. Mm-hmm. At this point, she's connecting the dots and being like, "Oh no, yeah, oh no, that was right. He didn't just die." Well, and that's one thing I really am interested in in exploring is what what did she really think? Because anyone else that lives, they don't really care what happened to certain Jedi because it only depends on who they were connected with. She having a connection with Anakin, surely she had to wonder what happened to Anakin? What happened to Mm Obi-Wan? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, to make that realization of this evil is this person that I loved and knew Mm -hmm. well. And, you know, I mean, it, it it's gotta be traumatizing to like download all of that at once. All I want is a bit of a novelization or something of that scene and the look of horror on her face with the caption Maul is right. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I don't know that Maul was ever right. Excuse me. Um, I disagree. But what I love is as she makes the realization, um, he replies, he, he realizes it too because the force yeah. is a two-way street and he just says that the apprentice lives. And I love that of... He acknowledges it, mm-hmm. and he. It's not a lot to go off of, but it's enough where it just it really feels like, ooh, that's a big deal for him. Mm-hmm. And it and they escape, and at the end, it's him talking to his master, and it does come across that way because he specifically communicates that it was her. Mm-hmm. Um, he specifically said, "Yeah, well, yeah, that's what he says. It he was just her. Said it was her. Yeah." So and that's also another thing of I wonder if he had curiosities of his own of what happened. Yeah. Um I mean, especially knowing that they interacted briefly before the siege of Mandalore and the events of episode three, you know, at some point after killing all the children and burning in lava, he had to finally take a moment to breathe in his quarters and be like, Oh wait, what happened to Ahsoka? 
Yeah, probably. What happened to Rex? Like, those are the kinds of things I want to explore with Darth Vader, for sure. I want to see a moment where it just washes over him exactly what he did. Well, I mean, that's basically episode six. Basically. You know, it's just that that, that's where it all comes down to um, the decision he makes regarding his son. Everything else that's happened leading to this. Um, and so the, the, uh, Palpatine basically says, let it go. Um, mm-hmm. and do an Elsa send other, huh? Do an Elsa, let it go. No, not like that. Um, but that Vader back off and that they send more inquisitors. Mm-hmm. Um, which boy, howdy, do they send more inquisitors? Oh yeah. I mean, and so, um, we've already kind of gotten ahead in uh, season two and seen some of that. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, this just, again, sets up the stakes of they're really starting to get into something bigger. Mm-hmm. They're starting to fill in the map. They're starting to fill in the picture. And it's just the matter of what do they do with that? How do they handle it? It's both sides realizing how much of a threat the other is. Right. Um, and so from here, some interesting things happen, um, you know, Ahsoka has to go from here and deal with what she's recently learned. Um, they have to go and recruit more help. They have to figure out how to find a place to chill because clearly the Empire is really after them. They're, the Empire is taking this seriously, mm-hmm. um, and especially Vader. So um, season two is really, all right, now you're part of something bigger, but what do you do when that something is threatened? And so we see them sort of fortifying themselves throughout season two. Um, I don't know the next, no, is it the season two finale? I think season two finale is where we get more Vader again, but for a while we're kind of just left with the wake of all of these new revelations and what our characters are going to do next. Mm -hmm. And so um, season two, every season has its big stuff. Um, I think the, big stuff of season two is this the sort of legacy stuff of you know you've got ahsoka you've got vader you've got all of these things where it's it's not so much that our crew is the center stage anymore um because again it's getting bigger pictured yeah a lot of exciting things coming sure um so we'll continue to uh dive into that discuss that and have fun with that um, there's a lot of exciting things again in season two and just in general ahead of us. So, um, looking forward to that and getting further into that. Um, let us know what you thought of the episode. Um, any theories you have, thoughts you have, anything like that. Uh, and let other people know what you think of the show as well. Um, rate and view, review where possible, share it, all that good stuff. Um, Otherwise, we'll be back with another Rebels Rewatch next week and, of course, our main show next week and all that good stuff. We're just trying to stay recorded and up to date from now on. Uh, Emphasis on trying. Trying very hard. Yes. Um, So, uh, But other than that, until next time, guys, may the Force be with you. Bye.